go. Legendary coach Dave Odom live in 60 minutes. David Shoemate, voice of the Duke Blue Devils, live in 30 minutes. Luke Hancock, national champion from Louisville, now with the ACC Network and ESPN, will join us in 90 minutes. That leaves more time for your calls now and in between those great guests later. Duke got revenge on NC State last night. The Wolfpack remains on the bubble. The Devils chasing high seeds and perhaps even an ACC first place finish. Four candidates for that as we speak. UNC is seeking revenge tonight on Wake Forest as some leagues are starting their conference tournaments. And of course, the ACC is finishing its regular season along with the other high majors, as some call them. You can jump in on the questions of the day. Doc and Henderson has a great answer to our rivalry question. Michigan man and former Jim Harbaugh team captain Joe Bolden has just taken a job on Ryan Day's staff with the Ohio State football Buckeyes. That is not a story you see very often in any of the college sports that we follow. Doc has a good example that is a blast from the past. Shane has a good example from the pro level, although I do think rivalries work differently there. As a product of Philadelphia, yes, people would look at you funny, if you played for the Eagles, then went to work for the Cowboys. Or there are plenty of other examples in the pro sports that we follow. But once you're getting paid to play that way, I think it's a little different than where you got your diploma, where you wore their colors. And in Joe Bolden's case, where you became a Michigan man wearing those colors for Jim Harbaugh. And now you jump to Ryan Day's sideline at Ohio State and you're going to try to help the enemy Buckeyes beat the Wolverines. That is more sensitive than anything I've ever seen at the professional level, although Shane does have a good example. Justin wants to defend Dustin Johnson's decision to once again skip the Olympics. Are you bothered or disappointed when an eligible, healthy American athlete turns down a chance to represent our country in one of the highest-profile international events of all, that being the Olympics. DJ said no thanks four years ago. His agent just explained yesterday he's too busy, he's too overworked. He didn't mention in this detail, but he is pursuing the $10 million prize that we call the FedEx Cup in golf around that time of the year. Uh, it starts in Japan on July 30th. 60-player golf event in the Summer Olympics. DJ says he's out again. His agent says his golf schedule is so tight that he just doesn't want to squeeze in the Olympics, even if he is eligible. Some are criticizing that decision. Some are defending it. Remember, you don't get paid per se just to represent your country in the Olympics. Now, that's it's, the, it's a long and detailed answer how they get compensated. And you do get, for example, in our country, money if you win the gold medal. So I think four years ago, Matt Kuchar was one of the few high-profile golfers who played in the Olympic golf event in Brazil. He won a, a bronze, I think it was. It was Justin Rose of England got the gold, Henrik Stenson of Sweden got the silver, and Matt Kuchar of the United States got the bronze. It varies country by country, but in our country, you do get some cash for being on the medal stand. But it ain't close to $10 million, I can promise you that. I mean, it's like in the low five figures, what you get for bringing home a medal. And four years ago, in the golf context, I mean, it's different for gymnasts and swimmers and some others. Golfers at the pro level are hunting a $10 million check for winning the FedEx Cup. 
DJ's probably not going to be thrilled with even the gold medal cash out. Uh, it should be about more than that in the eyes of many. I do think it's fair to say it's different for golfers than it is for a lot of those other Olympians in a lot of other sports. Remember, golf wasn't even part of the Summer Olympics for like a century. I mean, they only brought it back four years ago. So it's just a different history and context for Dustin Johnson and these other golfers. Remember, four years ago, Rory McIlroy said no. He, he qualified. He turned it down. Jordan Spieth said no. He turned it down. Those two guys, by the way, watched the Olympics four years ago and said they were impressed by the crowds and the interest level. So they have reconsidered. Their original was no. Then they watched and said, man, I kind of – Spieth came out and said, I think I, I wish I said yes now that I saw how popular it was, how competitive it was. Not everybody likes the whole stroke play event and the way they do the 60-man field, but Dustin Johnson has said no to Team USA well before we even know who's qualified for such things. Duke over State, Carolina hosting Wake. Other college basketball is also fair game. Let's go to Doc and Henderson, who has a blast from the past that I think is uh, – among the best calls we've gotten today on this topic, Michigan man and former Wolverines team captain Joe Bolden just accepted a job to work for Ryan Day and the rival Ohio State Buckeyes. Doc, something like that played out in our backyard in college football long ago, I remember. Yes, it did. Uh, State had this good team in the 60s, and they, they were the first team in this area to wear white shoes. Jim Donnan was the uh, quarterback for that team. Then later in the 70s, he came over to Carolina and was the uh, quarterback coach at Carolina for several years. Yes. This is a good example because Joe Bolden fits this description to a great degree. Do you recall, Doc, you know, in the 1970s, of course, there's no social media, there's no internet, there's no YouTube. Uh, I guess people would debate it, you know, at the, the local water cooler and you'd read your newspaper every day. Was it a big deal when Wolfpack star Jim Donnan took a job at UNC? I don't think anybody really said anything about it because Coach Dooley had uh, things going pretty good, and we he ran the ball all the time, and so Coach Donovan was trying to get him to throw it a little bit. <laughs> Thanks for chiming in on that. By the way, more recently when Mike O'Kane, who was not even like a Wolfpack player, remember, just a Wolfpack coach, when he jumped to the Tar Heels, I remember that rubbing more people the wrong way. I was not quite around to cover the Jim Donnan, who, remembered that's the same guy that went on to be the head coach of the Georgia Bulldogs. That's not a no-name example. That's a former Wolfpack star player who tried to help the Tar Heels win football games after his playing days at State. Shane is in Fayetteville and has a good example from the professional ranks. Welcome to the David Glenn Show. Hey, DG. Thanks for taking my call. I love the show. Thank you, sir. Um, and while I agree with you that the pro level is a little different because there's money involved, this one just hurts because we've never even been to the Super Bowl. So when Ozzie Newsom went from being a Cleveland Browns player to the Baltimore Ravens stealing our franchise yeah. where we didn't even have one and then helping them win a Super Bowl. I, I just, you know, that still hey, hurts. No, that's a great answer to the question of the day. Come to think of it. Whereas, and you hear players and, and coaches say this all the time. Hey, it's a business. It's a business. It's a business. It's a business. College context, you get a lot more people saying, I would, I'd rather stick a fork in my eye then go to work for that arch rival. In the pros, 99 times out of 100, people say, it's a business, it's a business, it's a business. Of course you might have to coach for the team you once hated or whatever, or even sometimes play for the team that you once hated. I think Shane's got his finger on one of the rare exceptions in professional sports where because of what he added there, do you remember, Shane, or maybe you even know how do Browns fans feel about former Browns tight end Ozzie Newsom 
helping the Ravens build something that the Browns still have been unable to build. Build is that still a sensitive topic there? Uh, I mean, for me, not necessarily. I'm just so we're so accustomed to losing that I suppose we just expected the players <laughs> oh, to go man. somewhere else. I mean, Bill Belichick, once coach for the Cleveland Browns, is now viewed as a goat. Yeah, that's true, man. I almost feel bad just hearing the tone in your voice when you say the, those things out loud. I wish you well as a Browns fan. Thanks for chiming in. That is a great call today. Two great calls. Uh, with football on my mind, let's hit everybody. Uh, we're, Charles Hadley is in for Darren Vaught today. Let's hit everybody with our favorite audio clip of the day. Can we do that? Uh, Rob Gronkowski. I mean, imagine if I just said to you, hey, it's almost like two guys walk into a bar and you know that there's a good joke or punchline coming. If I just said Rob Gronkowski was surprised by a phone call from NFL Commissioner Roger Goodell, like wouldn't you think that something fun would happen? Who knows where Gronk might be on his party cruise ship surrounded by string bikinis eight beers into the night and Goodell is on the other line. I mean, do I pick up or do I finish judging the wet T-shirt contest? I mean, that's Gronk's world, right? Well, this actually happened, not the way I just described it, but in a different context. And Rob Gronkowski was recently asked on, I believe it was a podcast, we'll give credit where credit is due, as Charles digs out my favorite audio tidbit of the day. Then we'll get to more of your phone calls and all three guests, David Shoemate from Duke, Dave Odom, legendary coach, Luke Hancock from the ACC Network, joining us a little bit later as well. You can chime in on any of those questions of the day at 1-800-849-2761. So Gronk is on the Pardon My Take podcast. And, well, I'll let him take it from here. He is describing an incoming call. Remember, at this point, he does not know that it is Roger Goodell. He does not know that the NFL commissioner is simply calling with happy news. You remember the NFL had its 100th anniversary this year. And they, they celebrated with a 100th, 100th anniversary team. And Gronk, now retired tight end for the New England Patriots, made that team as one of the greatest tight ends of all time. So Goodell just is calling with some good news. Gronk being Gronk, it didn't quite work out as simply as a commissioner telling a retired player that he's been named one of the all-time greats. This is Rob Gronkowski from the Pardon My Take podcast. So I get a phone call from New York, and it's no caller ID, and I'm just sitting there like, man, I don't want to answer this phone call. Like, like I, I don't, I don't want to answer. But you know, I'm bored. I'm sitting there debating, and so I don't answer. So then it calls back again, and I'm like, ah, oh, shit, I'll answer. I'm whatever. I'm, I'm gonna mess around. I can picture Let me mess Gronk around with this, this phone totally. call though. Like, so I answer. I'm like, hello, like, hello. <laughs> what is this? Uh, hey, hey, Rob. Uh, this is Roger Goodell. Uh, this is Roger Goodell. It's just Rob Gronkowski. And I was like, hello. Hello. And I'm just thinking, like, man, this is why I don't answer. People pranking me. People prank me. Rob, this is Rob, Roger Goodell. I'm, I'm looking for Rob Gronkowski. Hello. Hello. Is Rob Gronkowski there? Hello. And I'm like, I'm like, and I just hang up. It ended up being him. It ended up and being then him. Your team, so and gave, then you're 100, right? Yes, you're and then I called him back, uh, called the office back that he told me to call, and I called him back and talked to him. He didn't bring up anything about that phone call. <laughs> That's yeah. amazing. When I, see him, I can't wait to bring it up. I can't. Uh, I can't I wait to bring it up. I'm like, yo, who did you think that was? Going, hello? Yeah. <laughs> hello, what is I, this? <laughs> 
That's my favorite audio clip from the sports world today. Anybody who has followed Gronk on or off the field, especially the latter, you know that that is a very believable story and one worth sharing for all of perpetuity. Good time. Good work by intern Will digging that out of the archives from just uh, the last 24 hours or so ago. I saw it. The Pardon My Take podcast gets credit for that unforgettable audio. True story. And then more of your calls on the other side. College basketball, the Team USA question of the day involving just Dustin Johnson saying no to the Olympics again. The rivalries question, are you okay with someone who played for your school but accepts a job working for your most hated enemy. Former Michigan football captain Joe Bolden just took a job with the Ohio State Buckeyes. He'll be working for Ryan Day and Ohio State against his own former coach Jim Harbaugh and his alma mater, Michigan. You can chime in on that, 1-800-849-2761. True story, you guys know me well enough by now to know that when my wife calls me the most logical person she has ever met, it is not a compliment, okay? She is not praising me when she sometimes get frust- gets frustrated with my lawyer brain or my journalist brain, etc. My dad likes to tell a story from my childhood that reinforces that it's simply in my wiring. I mean, you can still hate me for it, I guess, but it's not entirely my fault. I'm just wired this way. My dad was at work. He called when I was a real little one, like before you even know, what is that thing ringing and, you know, maybe your mom is busy or whatever, and she tells you to pick it up. And you, I've never answered the phone before in my whole life. Like, I'm not even sure what that ringing object is. I was that young. My dad tells a story of how I picked up and what I said. And the, it's not exactly like Grunk being surprised, thinking he's being pranked when it's actually the commissioner, Roger Goodell. But I will share that story from my childhood as we come back to your calls. David Shoemate of Duke later this hour. Dave Odom, the legendary coach of the day in 45 minutes. Luke Hancock, national champion from Louisville, now with the ACC Network, joins us for more college basketball talk midway through our next hour. We'll get to the Spike Lee story, the Meg the Stallion, Carl Crawford story. Free legal advice is involved with that one. How I reacted, how old are you when you're not even sure what the phone is? I don't even know. Was I four? I was really young. I had a logical brain even then, and it didn't work out very well for anybody involved. That's why it reminded me of the Gronk Goodell phone call. That story from my wee childhood, and your phone calls are next. You like college football? It's Taj Boyd. Taj, how are you? Welcome I'm to the good. show. good. Dave, man, I appreciate you having me on the show. I'm excited to be here, man. I'm excited for the question that you're going to ask. Mark Richt of Georgia, please stop taking our best high school football players, but otherwise, thank you for the visit. Last thing for Virginia Tech coach Frank Beamer. So do we. The David Glenn Show. Thanks, David. Appreciate it a lot. You got it. Welcome back to the David Glenn Show. Three great guests later. More of your calls now. Dustin Johnson says no to Team USA. Some don't like it. Some don't mind it. Summer Olympics does include golf again. DJ wouldn't even know he would qualify until later this year. But has already said through his agent, he's not going to play even if he is one of those top four Americans. Right now, the top six, by the way, Brooks Kepka, Dustin Johnson, Patrick Cantlay, Webb Simpson, our very own, Patrick Reed, who did play in the Olympics four years ago, and that Tiger Woods guy, 
Most haven't said anything. Of course, you got to stay in the American top four just to be eligible. They don't take more than four from any individual country. They won't even know until June 22nd after the U.S. Open which four Americans are high enough in the rankings to get the invitation, but DJ has said, I'm out. Some consider that un-American. Some say golf is an exception to that rule. You can chime in at 1-800-849-2761. And with Michigan man Joe Bolden, former team captain in football under Jim Harbaugh, taking a job under Ryan Day and the rival-hated Ohio State Buckeyes, we had a rivalry question of the day. Would you be okay with someone who played for your school but then took a job? at your arch enemy. He just did that. 1-800-849-2761. So the story from my childhood that I promised that came to mind when Rob Gronkowski thought he was being pranked by the commissioner, Roger Goodell. We played our audio clip of the day a little bit earlier. He had a lot of fun with retelling that story. It was just about the honor of being on the NFL 100 anniversary team. He thought somebody was pranking him. He was pranking Goodell. It took him a while to figure out that it actually was the NFL commissioner. And then we moved on from there. 1-800-849-2761. If you want in on college basketball or those questions of the day, Duke getting revenge on state last night. Carolina seeking revenge on Wake Forest tonight as those two get together in Chapel Hill before they end up likely playing on Tuesday among the lower seeds in the ACC tournament next week in Greensboro. So I'm three or four years old. I've never answered a phone before. My mom is home. My dad is at work. There's this thing on the wall that makes a ringing sound, and I'm not even close to being tall enough to reach this thing. For those of you who perhaps have never experienced landlines, Charles Hadley, as a member of the younger generation, do do you know what a landline is? Can we go that far? Yeah, we had one until I was at least in my mid-teens. Are there still human beings that you know personally who have landlines? Yes, but they are, to be um, fair, in the older generation. (laughs) That's very politely put. I appreciate that. Uh, Politically put here on Super Tuesday. Very well done. Charles Hadley in for Darren Vaught, who is on Big South tournament duty with the High Point Basketball Panthers. In the households (laughs) with somewhat older people (laughs) who have landlines, do you see them like on a countertop or do they still still have them built into the wall the way I grew up with. Remember, I'm talking about like the 1970s. As the phone is ringing, my mom is busy. It turned out to be my dad calling. I didn't know that at the time. But this is the first time I've ever answered the phone. And I did about as well as Grunk did with that phone call with Roger Goodell. Uh, do you, are you, have you ever seen a phone built into the wall? Are we past that? Yeah, the, the one in my house was on the wall. The one in my grandmother's house was on the wall. All right, so, cool. Yeah. All right, so it's not entirely a foreign concept. That's good for my story purposes. So the phone's ringing. Mom's busy. Dad's at work. I think my older sister was old enough to be in kindergarten by that point. My younger sister was probably why my mom was busy and couldn't answer the phone. And my younger brother wasn't even born yet at this point. So three or four-year-old DG with his logical mind, and I was wired that way back then, and I still am today, and again, my wife makes fun of me for it. It is not always a compliment as she describes such things. And the phone is ringing. And I don't know what it is or what's going on. I can't even reach the phone on the wall. But mom's busy. David, can you go in there and handle that? Handle what? I can't even reach that. Grab a stool. Grab a stool so I can, at three or four years old, reach up and answer the phone. Now, remember, I was logical 
lawyer brain, journalism brain, even at three or four. I have seen people talking into this object, but I have certainly never been on the phone, and I have definitely never been asked to answer the phone in my household. This is a very first for me in all of life. So I pick up the phone, and I don't even know that you're supposed to say hello. I just pick up the phone, and I hear nothing. Turned out to be my dad calling from work. And after he hears dead air, finally he says, hello? 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 And then I hear it's my dad's voice, and I say, hello? And he says, Dave, what are you doing? Uh, And he's startled, and he just says, hey, uh, is your mom home? And I just said, yeah, mom's home. And my logical brain, like, I had done my duty, right? So I hung up. I just thought, like, well, you pick it up. Somebody's got a question. I've got an answer. I knew I had answered it correctly. Mom was in the other room. Is your mom home? Yeah, she's home. And then I hang up. So dad hears a dial tone. Still loves telling the story to this day. Immediately calls back. Now, remember, I had walked out of the room. I got to go back into the kitchen. I got to find the stool again. I got to get up on the stool. I got to reach up and stretch. I answer the phone again. He says, of course, he knows it's me now. Dave, it's your dad. Hey, dad, is, is your mom home? I said, yeah, I told you she's home. And I hung up again, thinking in my logical brain, I had done my duty twice. The third time, of course, phone rings again. I'm just perplexed by this point, feeling I've done double duty, like I'm getting a treat when dad gets home, right? I had answered his question accurately. I had answered it politely. I was even getting better at answering the phone between the first effort and the second effort. I actually said hello the second time. I thought I might get bonus points for that. Hey, dad, how about bringing home a Philly pretzel or a cheesesteak on your way home? I answered the third time, and dad, of course, realizing that My logical wiring, not quite up to this particular task. First thing he says is, Dave, don't hang up the phone. It's your father. I was not calling just to find out if mom was home. I actually would like to talk with her. At that moment, my logical brain kind of kicked into gear. Oh, dad wasn't just asking a question. Dad wants to talk to mom. Went into the other room, found mom brought her to the phone, and everybody lived happily ever after. Sometimes the uber-logical brain does not always work to your advantage. Gronk and Goodell, Dad and me, now we have a story worth sharing. 1-800-849-2761. Dylan is in Raleigh with another rivalry example from the professional-slash-college level. And William is in Danville, Virginia with a good one. Dylan, welcome to the David Glenn Show. Go right ahead. Hey, did you... Hey, man. Um, so yeah, so mine's not a mine's not a player. Um, it's it, it's not an ex player. It's a coach. Uh, for LSU fans, it hurts. Nick Saban when he came um, before he got there, they were two and nine. He came, won them a championship. That hurts. Years. It does hurt. Heads to Miami. Do you agree? Do you agree with million dollar coaches? Although it hurts, I'm not going to tell an LSU fan that it doesn't hurt to see Nick Saban help the Tigers to one national title and then end up at Alabama where he leads them to one seemingly every other year. It hurts, but in a different way than seeing somebody. What if someone who wore the LSU uniform? And again, in this Michigan guy's case, Joe Bolden was a Wolverines team captain, now working at Ohio State. Wouldn't it hurt more if your star whatever, linebacker, goes to work for the Crimson Tide's coaching staff? Or does the Nick Saban story hurt just as much? 
Oh, it, I think the player would hurt. Yeah. Uh, especially if both hurt. Five championships. Yeah, both hurt. I get it. I mean, LSU, maybe it hurts a little less now that Eddie O has gotten them another national title in college football, but that's a great answer to our question of the day. Let's get William and Danville in. He has a good example from near our backyard. Welcome to the David Glenn Show. Go right ahead. Hey, David. Uh, going back to your phone, it's a good thing you didn't have a party line there. You really would have been. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man, I was way in over my head. Hopefully I've grown a little since then. Uh, hey, um, it, it, not much success there, but even though Ricky Stokes, former player for Virginia, yeah. when he took over the job at Virginia Tech, still just don't like to see that happen. Yeah, do you remember there being a lot of angst in the UVA fan base? For those who don't know, Ricky Stokes, really good player at guard for the Cavaliers and didn't turn out to be a successful head coach at Virginia Tech. If I remember correctly, now that's before the Hokies joined the ACC, so maybe it hurt, but it didn't hurt as much as if it happened today? Yeah, but, you know, it's the still the rivalry thing has always been there, even before. For sure, uh, for sure. When they when they were in the Big East, you know, they always thought that uh, they should have been. <laughs> right, that's true. <laughs> and, and it took, uh, the it took among other things, um, the actions of a high-ranking politician in the Commonwealth of Virginia to make sure the Hokies kind of scooted into that picture uh, when realignment and conference expansion was happening, happening long ago. That's a great example. Ricky Stokes former Cavs player, and a good one, former Hokies head coach. Thanks for listening from north of the border, William in Danville, Virginia. On the other side, we get started with our great guests. In 30 minutes, it'll be the legendary coach Dave Odom. In 60 minutes, it'll be former Louisville sharpshooter and national champion Luke Hancock, now with ESPN and the ACC Network. On the other side, he's the voice of the Duke Blue Devils. After losing three out of four all to unranked opponents, the Devils got back in the win column with a revenge victory over the NC State Wolfpack. Y'all know that Carolina visits Duke this weekend. David Shoemate, voice of the Blue Devils, next on the David Glenn Show. UNC coach Roy Williams is joining us. You are uncomfortable with your name in the same sentence as Dean Smith. I know that I will never be as good as he was in, in any way. And yet when I hear people say those things, yeah, those things are pretty neat. I, but I try to make sure that's about as far as I go. Keep it here on the David Glenn Show. Welcome back to the David Glenn Show. Dave Odom, the legendary coach, live in less than 30 minutes. Luke Hancock, national champion from Louisville, now with the ACC Network, live in less than 60 minutes. Joining us now, as promised, more college basketball. It's March Madness. Duke had lost three of four, but got revenge last night on NC State. We'll have more on the Tar Heels hosting Wake Forest tonight, among other college basketball. But joining us now is the voice of the Duke Blue Devils. He had the call last night, of course. As the Devils got back into the win column in style, 88-69, Vernon Carey and Trey Jones, as usual, among those leading the way. Cassius Stanley had a great game. Jordan Goldwire off the bench as well. We're speaking of David Shoemate. Welcome back to the David Glenn Show. David, how are you? Doing great, man. How are you? I'm doing well. Coach K had been talking about the Blue Devils not playing older during that three out of four losing streak. Uh, what do you think he means by that? And did you see a playing older version of the Blue Devils that he wants to see last night? Yeah, I think so. I mean, I think a piece of it, obviously, is when they get back to Cameron, they're a different team. Uh, you talked about the recent struggles. All three of those losses were on the road. 
Um, I think that certainly played a factor. And at least from my perspective, when, when you think about younger teams, there tends to be slippage as the year moves along, uh, for lack of a better term. And I think you could kind of point to that of like, look, Trey and, and Vernon Carey Jr. have been the two front runners to this team, the two leading scorers all season long. And I think the last couple of weeks, there, there maybe has been a, a tendency for the rest of the guys, especially on the road, to kind of slip back and, and watch those two guys work. Um, well, you know, those two guys are really good, but it, it's not like Don Williamson and R.J. Barrett are out there, and those aren't two guys that can go get you 60, 70 points between the two of them. Um, so they need others to help, and I think that was a, a part of the problem in the first meeting at NC State. Even though those two combined for 44, you only got 22 from the rest of the team. Uh, same story at Virginia when those two combined for 34 and the rest of the team just got 16. Uh, you look at last night, Vernon got 17, Trey got 15, that's 32, but the rest of the team got, you know, 56. And, and that's what takes Duke from being a good team to a team that can potentially compete for a national championship when you can get 18 uh, from Cassius Stanley or 10 from more. You know, you can go on down the list. I think that's what, as much as anything, Coach might be pointing towards. As we speak right now, Louisville still has a chance to finish first. Florida State still has a chance to finish first. Duke and UVA also could end up at least tying for first place, what some call the regular season championship. You've been around Coach K long enough now to probably have a feel for this. I mean, he kind of rolled his eyes when he got a question recently about the regular season title, and he has told us many times, hey, man, this is a tournament sport. We're judged a lot more by what we do in the NCAA tournament or even the ACC tournament than whether you finish first or second or third, et cetera. With, it's kind of an anomaly. Coach K has five national titles, what, uh, 15 ACC tournament championships, uh, and he does have 12 regular season titles, but he hasn't had one in a full decade. Uh, is that just completely meaningless to him, or does he at least occasionally mention it as if you're getting a regular season title, it's a reflection of good basketball? No, and I, I think I'm, I'm trying to remember back because I think it was a few weeks ago. I hope I'm referring to the one that you're talking yeah. about where uh, they were commemorating, you know, the, the history of Cameron and a significant win. And kind of in that moment, someone asked kind of, yeah, that's great, but you hadn't won the regular season title in a while. And I think Coach's answer was kind of in response to uh, my perspective, not his, like, really, this is the time that, that we're going to dive into that. Uh-huh. Um, we're trying, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, we won national championship, we won tournament titles. I think winning the regular season means something. I, I don't think it means uh, to the context for any coach what a national championship would mean. Right. Um, but I think the ultimate goal for him is having this team ready to go when you get to those six games in the NCAA tournament because ultimately, and you know this, you can win as many ACC regular season championships as you want to. If you don't win the national title, people are going to ding you on that side of it. Um, so I think that that's as much as where it comes from. I think it means something, but I, I would guess, and I don't want to speak for him, it probably means more in context of what that means for your chances to win the ultimate title, if that makes sense. If sure. you're winning the ACC regular title, it means something down the road, just like if you win the ACC tournament title, uh, it's a championship, and it, it means something. And, and anytime there's a trophy on the line, he cares. I mean, we talk about this a lot in November. A lot of people are kind of still lost in football, but his record in those early season tournaments is, is really incredible. So don't get it wrong. Anytime there's a trophy on the line, he cares. My take from that exchange previously was just, Maybe not the right moment for that question, if that makes sense. Yeah, for sure. David <laughs> David Shumate is joining us on the David Glenn Show. Time and place. Yeah, uh, exactly. we, we learned that in journalism school, but it doesn't always uh, translate that way. You can follow David on Twitter at Duke.
PBP. I always have a hard time saying that. That's for play-by-play at Duke PBP. That's where you can follow our guest, David Shoemate. Of course, there's a lot of business to take care of for all, almost all of these teams between now and Saturday when you have the privilege of calling you know, one of America's greatest rivalries, college or pro, now or forever, basically. Uh, how do you summarize your favorite part of Duke Carolina. We asked that of the coaches. We asked that of the participants. Uh, you're a part of it now as well and have been for a while. Uh, the Tar Heels have wake tonight, of course, so that we've got a little time, but it's our last chance to talk with you before the Devils host the Tar Heels in Cameron. Maybe a little of the luster is off this year for obvious reasons, but how do you, like if an alien landed, how would you explain to someone not as fluent in college basketball what makes Duke Carolina special? I think the most distinct way I can put it is for two hours, you know, we're talking about it right now, right? Titles, postseason, all this different stuff. And in a day and age where everyone's on their phone, everyone's looking around. When, when you're in that building, particularly, and I'm obviously biased, when it's in Cameron Indoor Stadium, for two hours, everyone is totally engrossed in the moment and, and what's going on with that game. No one's looking at what's going on elsewhere. Uh, no one cares about seeds. No one cares about the in-state tournament. It's about that moment and winning that game and, you know, I don't want to be too short with the answer, but for me, that's, yeah. what, that's what's incredible is it has your full and undivided attention and very few things have that in this day and age. That's really well put. And it was that even in Chapel Hill earlier this year when it was a wild one, even though the Devils are near the top of the standings. And, and obviously this year, the Tar Heels uh, are dead last, at least for now, in those standings. Carolina hosting Wake tonight, Duke over NC State last night. David Shoemate is our guest here on the David Glenn Show. Uh, what have you heard Coach K circle, or what would you circle, about you know the keys to the difference between Duke having another very good season, which it clearly is and will be no matter how it ends, versus being one of those very special seasons where it's an ACC title or a Final Four or even a national championship? I think it's their ability to get scoring from guys other than, than Jones and Carey. We talked about this at the top. Yeah. Um, Duke's been good defensively. Have they had lapses? For sure. I don't think there's anybody in the country who hasn't. Um, but I think their defense has been good. Showed a new wrinkle last night playing some zone to keep um, NC State out of the paint a little bit in the second half. So I think they'll always be able to figure it out defensively. But I think on the offensive end of the floor, look, teams are going to key on and Jones, they should, uh, whether it be double teams or, or making sure Jones doesn't have driving lanes. So can you get a cash of Stanley to deliver consistently? Can you get a Matthew Hurt to consistently deliver? Um, and on down the list, because this is a team that's going to need contributions from six, seven, eight different guys. I mean, they played as many as 11, and Justin Robinson out of nowhere here in the last couple of weeks has seen significant playing time. To me, that's going to be the key for Duke to get to where they hopefully want to go in winning a national championship is what can those guys do on a consistent basis and what can they do uh, to be quite candid when you leave Cameron Indoor Stadium, you get into a neutral floor atmosphere. Uh, Duke's fared well in those type games so far this year uh, with the win against Kansas in the Champions Classic and then the win over Georgetown. Um, but those were way, way back in November. The stakes are obviously going to be uh, a lot higher in the next couple of weeks. But I think that's going to be the key for this team, not necessarily statistic, not necessarily anything. It's the confidence of those other guys outside of the front line scores 
what can they bring to the table that can push Duke over the top? Yeah, quick context here for everybody else, too, is as we kind of nitpick Duke's offense or Duke's defense, one thing to remember in the bigger picture, there's only a handful of teams that are top 20 offensive efficiency and top 20 defensive efficiency in the entire country. You know, Kansas is one, and Baylor is one, and Duke is one, uh, Michigan State is one, Ohio State is one. It's not a long list. So these are kind of nitpicking questions, but of course I've got another one for you because, frankly, the nitpicking tends to be the difference between the really good season or the unforgettably great season. Uh, there, was, there was that zone you mentioned from last night against NC State. I forget the exact timetable, but Coach K likes to share stories about Jim Beheim and Team USA and being open-minded about the zone in a way that, you know, I covered him a little bit in the, at the end of the 80s. There are famous stories of K in the early 80s saying, I don't care what my personnel is. I don't <laughs> care what they're good at. We're going to be the best damn man-to-man team in this country eventually. And that zone is, you know, off there on the side for those other teams to try. He has tweaked his approach, one of the many things that I admire about him. Uh, And Vernon Carey does not always look very good trying to deal with pick and rolls. That killed the Devils in Raleigh against NC State, for example. How does he put into words in your experience just why he tweaked, what he's been tweaking this year in your experience, and, you know, will we see that zone more than the the extreme rarity uh, that he was pulling it out last night? Well, and, and to your point, it was I think it was kind of a conversation with Jeff Capel when he was around Jim Beheim, and obviously Coach Chesky was a part of it and talking about the, the different uh, elements of the zone defense and things they liked. And, you know, remember a couple of years ago, it was actually against NC State when, when Duke got torched in Raleigh to, at the outset of conference play. That was the birth of the zone defense for Bagley and Carter and DeVal and, and that crew that they really played zone the rest of the season uh, a couple of years ago and took it to the Elite Eight. So, um you're, you're right. The, the ability to adapt is incredible. And I think for, for coach, maybe he's gotten older, he's talked a little bit on this, but I think for him it's more so about he wants to win. And I think that evidence by, like, how many people would take a Justin Robinson who was a walk-on until about a year ago yeah. and throw him in reliance then um, last night when Duke is down by six in the first half against NC State. You know, he's got to plug and play and see what works. And last night, it was pretty evident, as you said, the ball screen was causing a lot of problems for Duke, and Markel Johnson was on pace to have another, you know, 28-point night again against the Blue Devils. So how do you keep teams out of the paint? Well, you go zone, you run the risk against an NC State team that likes to shoot the threes. They catch fire. They didn't. Duke did a nice job of closing out. And, and kind of a funny story, I don't know if you heard this or not, they went in the locker room, and the zone was okay the latter stage in yeah. the first half, but they gave up some looks, and it was a two-point game. And they basically threw all the chairs out of the way in the locker room. For 12 minutes, they taught zone. Because they haven't practiced this. Wow. No, I did not know this. This is great. They're they're kind of mapping out and things you need to do to extend it. And, you know, it worked. So they stayed with it. And I think as much as anything, uh, and I've seen this a couple of different times, saw it against Michigan State a few years ago in the Champions Classic, where it kind of befuddles the opposition. Because, as you said, Coach has a reputation of man-to-man defense. A lot of teams that come in to play Duke probably don't practice against it very often. So when you see it, you kind of are trying to figure it out. And what it really does, is it stands you up and then it's really hard to drive and then you get uh, kind of a flow going and, and maybe it causes NC State to be a little bit slow in getting back in transition. Duke had the 25 fast break points, but it was just a, a little change up. But as I've learned this year, whether it's personnel or scheme or whatever, you're going to get in trouble if you try to draw a straight line from one game to the next because he's going to change everything. So uh, good luck figuring out what's coming on Saturday, but I guess that's what makes it fun. 
His name is David Shoemate. Follow him on Twitter, Duke PBP, the voice of the Duke Blue Devils. Thanks for chiming in here on the David Glenn Show. We'll see you in Greensboro next week. Appreciate it, man. You got it. Dave Odom live in 15 minutes. Luke Hancock live in 45 minutes. More of your calls in between. It's a happy Super Tuesday as we're picking over the NBA, the NFL, some questions of the day on the Olympics and rivalries and working for the enemy, among other things. Rob Gronkowski with the audio of the day. Spike Lee with one of the headlines of the day. He says he's done with this year's New York Knicks. He is a longtime courtside season ticket holder and an all-around superfan there at Madison Square Garden. He said, thanks to something that happened yesterday, he's done with the 2020 New York Knicks. More of those, more on that story with more of your phone calls, 1-800-849-2761, next on The David Glenn Show. Welcome back to The David Glenn Show. One reason I would not watch watch any more New York Knicks games this season, home or away, they're the Knicks. Spike Lee happens to be a longtime Knicks fan. He is a courtside season ticket holder, all-around super fan there at Madison Square Garden. And he said earlier today he's taking a hiatus. He's unhappy with the way the Knicks have portrayed an altercation. There was a video that circulated online showing Spike Lee yelling at the Madison Square Garden security outside an MSG elevator, leading some to suggest that he had been thrown out of the arena. A Knicks spokesman said that was untrue and that it was simply an issue of Spike Lee. I can't imagine asking him for his identification on his way into the building after all of these years. Remember, as a loyal, famous Hollywood-style fan of a team, that has not given him much to cheer about in my lifetime. He didn't like the way Knicks, the Knicks portrayed things. He and Knicks owner James Dolan could be seen shaking hands and smiling at halftime. Lee was in his sideline seat in the second half and did stay through the final buzzer as the Knicks upset the Houston Rockets. But... Because he was unhappy with the way things were portrayed, he is taking a hiatus. I'm coming back next year, the award-winning screenwriter and director said. But I am done for this season. I am done. Those were among his comments to ESPN's first take a little bit earlier today. He classified the Knicks version of the events as, quote, spin. He says he's been coming in the same entrance to the Garden for 28 years. <laughs> he specifically took issue with the Knicks suggesting that he and Dolan were socializing at halftime. A lot of folks do not like. He's one of the most unpopular owners in all of pro sports. Lee said, quote, I was not... I was not shaking Dolan's hand. In fact, when he came over, I didn't even get up right away. Now I'm being harassed by James Dolan, and I don't know why. The 62-year-old Academy Award winner said, despite his hiatus, he will be back for the 2020-21 campaign. Perhaps the Knicks will have better basketball in store for him by then. Luke Hancock in 30 minutes. The legendary coach Dave Odom. More March Madness next on The David Glenn Show. Gary Player joining us. This morning I did 1,300 sit-ups and crunches. Wow. I pushed 300 pounds with my legs and I ran on the treadmill. You are one of the legends of golf and you've been an inspiration as a person as well. What a nice compliment and God bless America. 
You're listening to The David Glenn Show.